Good work, Jack. What are you doing here? Cos, it's me. I'm here to get you out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Friend Request. I am Colin Detmar from Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. And on this podcast, we discuss relationships in video games and, you know, characters and characterization and all that jazz. And uh, we have this week a Metal Gear special for you. So, Jen, your character pairing chronologically happens before mine, since ours are both from the same series. So why don't you go first? Okay, so I don't know the exact right word for Big Boss slash Naked Snake. Probably just... John. John works, yeah. (laughs) So um, my pairing is John slash the boss from Metal Gear Solid 3. And um, essentially, the thing that really fascinates me about Metal Gear Solid 3 as a whole is the boss herself. She's a very non-traditional villain as far as villains in any sort of media go. She is John's longtime mentor. She basically taught him everything that he knows, but during his mission out to collect a defector, she ends up defecting herself and the way that she turns against him so instantly is pretty fantastic. She is completely determined to do what she's doing, and she basically sees... Well, she sees... She sees Snake as... She sees John as a wounded puppy dog. She instantly... She instantly dismantles every single weapon that he has, breaks his limbs in multiple places, and throws him off a bridge. Because, to her, he's not mature enough to understand anything that she's doing. And in many cases, she's right. Snake, up to this point, John only really follows what other people told him to do, including the boss. So when he's asked to make a choice between continuing to follow his country or potentially join the boss for whatever reason, he kind of just, he kind of freezes in the moment. And a lot of the early game is him freezing up at important times. Mm -hmm. Like, Right, right when he is going back and chasing her again, years later, or maybe it's several months. But regardless, it's, yeah, it's a few months. But yeah, she, he goes up to her again. All he can ask is, "Why are you doing this?" And she once again just dismantles everything that he has and straight up tells him. What are you loyal to? Are you loyal to your country? Are you loyal to me? Do you actually believe in anything? Because it sure looks like you don't. And much of the game is her, in her own way, mentoring him through being as completely cold and off-putting to him as possible. Basically, 
she challenges his comfort at just following whatever people tell him to do. And mm-hmm. that comes to the climb that comes to that all comes to a head when eventually he kills the other big bad. But the United States is pretty insistent that no, you have to take her out too. She launched that she inadvertently gave him that nuke to she she inadvertently gave someone a nuclear warhead, which he ended well, she up gave using, she gave it to him on purpose. On but purpose, she but she didn't him expect to... him to instantly yeah. launch it in a on Russian soil, more or less. Mm-hmm. So, in the act of killing her, he comes to terms with the fact that the things that he had done all up to this point, or rather, the way that he took her life was very much against what he believed in. And that's only hammered home by the reveal that even when she had defected, she was still, in her own way, working for the United States. And her whole life, from World War II to this point in the Cold War, has been giving up everything for the government that she's under only for it to betray her at the very end. Well, and like, it's not even like in her own way, working for them, like literally working for them. Like it was her job to get in their good graces. The betrayal was like, was an undercover job. This whole thing was planned. Um, and they sort of had to have the twist of like, well, I guess you have to kill her too. That part wasn't planned, but it's, but she knew that, well, that was going to happen and was okay with it. She was, she was a loyal soldier through and through all the way. Yeah, but you also get the sense that throughout her confrontations and challenges with John, she's telling him, she's hinting to him that the actions that you're doing right now have been my life for the past few decades, and you should seriously consider whether you want this or whether you should forge your own path. And... At the very end of all that, he... It's basically the reason why he becomes Big Boss instead of John after he inherits her title. He he lives at the ideals that she preached but didn't get a chance to live herself. And for a while, I thought that was confusing because, like, it's... Big Boss is ultimately not a very good friend to the United States. Um... <laughs> Or to, like, world unity, um, frankly. But, like, I think John's, or Big Boss, if you prefer, his understanding of what the boss is trying to say sort of changes over the course of subsequent games. Where at first, his understanding is like, got it, be good to America, I got you. And that's certainly what the boss stood for. That's what the boss was like, you know, I'm gonna, like, this is my country and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pursue its agenda, I'm going to help it to the bitter end, but that's not what she's... She's not telling John, so be a good American. What she's telling John is, you may not believe the same things as me, but you gotta figure out what you believe in and fight for that. Even if it's not what I'm into. And that's ultimately what Big Boss does with Outer Heaven and all of that, eventually. Is that he figures that out. He figures that it's not like, 
carry on my legacy as an American soldier. It's carry on my legacy as a person who only ever fought for what they believed in. And for Big Boss, who's a person who can't just place his faith in one person or thing or movement, that means becoming... putting. He creates outer heaven so that he can be in a position to choose who he believes in at any given time. Essentially, he's replacing his own handlers who, throughout three, constantly betrayed him or lied to him in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh... Which is funny, because we're about to move into my pairing. Which is sort of a three-way, and it's sort of not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, Metal Gear Solid Five was a while ago at this point, but it also was still kind of recent. And um, I'm going to spoil like literally everything about Metal Gear Solid Five right now. So if you <laughs> don't want that, you can tap out now. It's been been good having you on uh, on this episode. But if you're still listening, I assume you're ready to hear about Kazuhira Miller, Big Boss, and Venom Snake. So <sighs> Kazuhira Miller, um. Or just Miller, if you prefer. Um, that's how he's generally referred to. Master Miller. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> um, well, also before. Anyway, he's got some backstory where basically he was uh, he was a mercenary and he worked for. He's he's got a long, complicated backstory, and eventually he what he fought an insurgency of rebel soldiers against Big Boss, and Big Boss beat them and then captured him, and through a long, grueling like series of like. Miller trying to escape and then trying to like kill himself and all this all this stuff happening and Big Boss just sort of shutting him down at every turn. He came to respect Big Boss, um, and now is like one of his most trusted uh, sub commanders, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, through the course of uh, Peace Walker, a PSP game, basically they go they deal with stuff in in Colombia. They obtain basically the blueprints for Metal Gear, that's where Metal Gear stuff starts to happen, they get the idea of Outer Heaven. Of They had their own um, third-party organization, and they build, they're like, okay, we're going to build it like in international waters, and we're going to have this oil platform, and we're going to like choose what jobs we fight and be beholden to no one but ourselves, and, you know, the nation for only soldiers and all of that stuff. Um... And eventually that all comes to a head. A bunch of stuff happens that is, you know, plot relevant, but not super interesting to the relationship. And uh, they get attacked by uh, a group that is... I'm trying to figure out how to summarize this. Um, I guess the quickest way is just they get attacked by a rival organization that's interested in them and Big Boss and Miller and the whole thing not existing anymore. And in that happening, Miller and Big Boss and this um, other senior officer who's with them, a trusted soldier, get very badly injured. And this is where things start to go bad for Miller, though he doesn't know it. Because Big Boss is injured and he's in a coma. Um, Miller is, is sort of off trying to rebuild without Big Boss's help and is having a really rough time because Big Boss always did things that he didn't. And then there's this third soldier who is also in a coma. Big Boss wakes up from the coma and he has he talks with with Revolver Ocelot, another one of the one of the his most trusted advisors, and is like, "Hey, I've 
got shit to do and there are people that are trying to kill me, what if they thought that this guy, this other third senior officer, was actually me? And Big Boss is like, I mean, you know, like, he's one of my most trusted... I bet if, I, I bet if he was awake right now and I asked him, he'd say yes. Let's just do it. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine with it. And so they, like... He, he stays in a coma for a while. They give him surgery to make him look like Big Boss. They do hypnotherapy because Metal Gear loves its hypnotherapy to convince him that he is Big Boss. And then, yeah, as, as predicted, people come for him. He escapes and he heads off to join Miller and reform. Uh, well, now it is Diamond Dogs. Pr- pr- previously, it was Militaire Sans Frontières, which, you know, armies without borders. Um, but now it is Diamond Dogs is the new name of this this international mercenary organization beholden to no one, this sovereign state. And Miller has, through all of this shit, been just like kicked around by, you know, like he's 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 lost an arm and a leg. <coughs> he's gotten like he's had to deal with all this stuff. He didn't he an organization that was way too big for him to run by himself, but he did anyway. And he's just burning with a need for revenge. And he's just, he's had a hard time of it, right? But it's okay, because Big Boss is back. And Big Boss is going to lead them, and everything's great. And they go through some really hard shit, even once Big Boss is back. And tons of people die, and there's some really awful shit. But it's like, it's fine. Big Boss is leading us. And then there is the endgame reveal that that's not Big Boss. That Big Boss had some stuff to do so he set you guys up to be his meat shield um and for miller this is the last straw he like way back in peace walker before peace walker in in sort of the time in between he swore his life to defend and protect and pursue the interests of big boss and he ends metal gear solid 5 realizing that Big Boss is as much of a piece of shit as all the people he tried to distance himself from. Like, you know, Big Boss is like, I'm gonna form this organization so that no one can manipulate me, right? It's like, oh, now you're just manipulating everyone beneath you. Cool. Good job, dude. So, Miller swears to raise Big Boss's sons, Snake and Liquid, to one day kill him. Oh, nice. So that's kind of... That kind of... So that ties together five and the original Metal Gear quite nicely then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so that's one of those things is like there's a lot of people were saying that five is an unnecessary game and it doesn't like there's no reason for it to to make like story wise, it doesn't justify its own existence. And I think it certainly doesn't as much as like, you know, two or four or something. But it actually fills in a lot of character motivations. It explains why Miller, who was, like, Big Boss's, like, I'll die for you best friend, suddenly is, you know, instructing his enemies as to how to take him down. It explains why there are two Big Bosses. Because if you think of it, like, in Metal Gear 1, in the first Metal Gear, one of the boss fights is Big Boss and you kill him. And then you play Metal Gear 2, and then there's another Big Boss. And it's like, oh, I guess he survived. It's like, no, there were actually two Big Bosses. One of them was this imposter who when he found out that he was not the real Big Boss, Big Boss was right about him. He totally would have been okay with it. When he found out he's not the real Big Boss, but big, but the real Big Boss is like, why don't you just keep pretending? 
He says, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so for a while, there are two big bosses, so that big boss can pretend to be a military commander, but also be building his, his mercenary state. Um, it actually actually pretty nicely ties up some some not necessarily plot holes because there's some stuff in Metal Gear that it's hard to describe as plot holes because everything about it is so fantastic and bizarre that it's like, is this a plot hole or is it just Metal Gear being weird? But it makes it easier to swallow some elements of it. So. Yeah, that game is mostly about Miller and how badly how completely and utterly Big Boss betrays him. So. That actually makes Metal Gear Solid Five a lot more interesting to me. I might end up checking out later. Well, you know, there are a lot of caveats to be had with that game. I'm I I like it a lot. Ah, there's a there's a lot about that game to not be happy with, but that is another podcast for this one. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of friend request you can find us on itunes if you want to give us a rating or review there you could also tell a friend we try and keep this episode these episodes like under 30 minutes because we want this to be another podcast that you can add to your your listening experience without like taking away too much time because i i don't know about you listener i have a lot of podcasts i try to listen to and if someone's like oh i've got one more you should listen to i'm like yeah that's great i don't have time for it but if every episode is under 30 minutes, I can probably find time for it. So if you want to recommend it to a friend, it's not as big of a burden as maybe some recommendations are. But also, if you don't want to, no pressure. Thanks for listening anyway. I want to give a big thank you to Krista Lee for use of her track Hearts Burning Bright off of her album Welcome to the Fantasy Zone, which you can find on Bandcamp at opoorpup.bandcamp.com, as well as other albums and mu- music she has written. Oh. <sighs> I think that's it for us, folks. See you next time. Have a good one.